Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It is played. It is playable everywhere. So be that Apple Podcast, Blueberry, Google Play, Alexa via TuneIn, or you can stream the episodes directly from the website abouttoreview.com. Make sure to follow the podcast on all forms of social media at About to Review on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as youtube.com slash abouttoreview. If you want to support the show, you can click on the support tab on the website or go to abouttoreview.threadless.com and help out the show that way and vote for the Renton City Comic Con Geek Awards, the first ever Geek Awards that Renton City Comic Con is doing. You can vote for this podcast in three different categories, so that link will be in the description below. That would be great if you could show your support by voting for this little podcast. On this week's episode, there are going to be reviews for three new movies, and with me on this adventure is a returning fan favorite, Tim Hall, the People's Critic. Hey, it's good to be back on this late, <laughs> late Tuesday night. It is a late Tuesday night. Uh, we're recording, yeah, a little much later than we normally do because we much, just got much, out much of much later. Yeah, we just got out of a movie, and yeah, I needed to get home and actually eat something because I was. In the theater today from 1.30 p.m. until 9.30 p.m. Right. So, yeah, it uh, for all those people wondering, you know, is film criticism really a job? It can be because I spent just about eight hours in the theater today. So, yeah, uh, yeah the three movies that we're going to be reviewing are all in theaters now or will be by this Friday. And that is going to be Upgrade, Hereditary, and Hotel Artemis. So we'll get into all of that after the geek news. But before all of that, we will go into the original theme song created by Damien Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So a few geek news uh, topics slash roughly the news, because like I always say, by the time this episode airs, sometimes all of these have been debunked. Sometimes they're all true. Who knows? But with the quick turnaround on this episode, there might be a better uh, average Uh, right off the top of the bat. So remember that Joker movie that Martin Scorsese was talking about doing with Joaquin Phoenix playing the Joker? Yeah. Yeah, so apparently that might still be moving forward. And uh, don't want. Yeah, and they announced today that Jared Leto is also getting his own Joker movie. Don't want. No, it is like, again, you and I talk about it all the time. What is going on with Warner Brothers and DC? You barely made a passable Joker in Suicide Squad. Now you want to give us two different movies with two different Jokers. I mean, I didn't hate. I didn't hate that Joker portrayal. I just felt like the movie was kind of trash. Right. So yeah, and then trash is 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 an oversimplification of it. I felt like it was kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. 
all like for the whole movie. And I don't, I don't, I don't know if the Joker needs a spinoff or needs an origin story or needs any of that. No. Just make a good movie. Just again, make one good movie, make a good movie before man. you start doing all of these side projects and spinoffs. Like they're still talking about doing Gotham City Sirens, which is a Harley Quinn spinoff. It's a hard pass. I was just like, come on, guys. Yeah. You are DC and Warner Brothers. How do you not have better ideas than this? I mean, they do have better ideas. Their better ideas involve Batman. I, I guess. You know what I mean? Like Their ideas aren't independent of Batman and the Joker or Batman and any of his villains. That's that's the problem. They're, it's kind of their crutch. I, it is. But, yeah, so they just announced that. Today, the Jared Leto will be... Would be, I mean, again, this is potentially, of course, starring right. and executive producing his yeah, own Joker movie. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is just an announcement. I'm not putting too much weight in these things actually happening because I don't know if they, you know, they don't really have a plan or a blueprint for what they're doing. So, no. I take it with a grain of salt. I, I know we don't need it. Nope. No desire. Nobody was watching Suicide Squad being like, oh, man, I, I want to see more of this Joker and where he came from. And no. I mean, maybe. Maybe someone was. Like, I'm all for someone seeing that that Leto Joker and it being the Joker that gave them life. But what they there's such a, a a rich universe of combo characters that they could develop. Do that instead. Mm-hmm. Do that instead of this being the whatever you know the third time we get to see the Joker or the fourth time we we'll see the Joker on, on the screen. Give us somebody else. Give us a more interesting yeah. character. I mean, the interesting one of the interesting kind of like rumor slash fan theories with the Jared Leto Joker is that he was a former Robin. No, I don't care about that. And that, I mean, like, but again, like, that's not interesting. I like like that more than what they did with him. I do. I do not care for that fan theory at all. The Joker does (laughs) not need a backstory. Like, that's the whole point of the character. Right. He doesn't need a backstory. He doesn't need an origin. He's just, he is who he is. He's chaos for the sake of being chaos. I don't need to, to, to like anchor him in, in some rich history with Batman. That's not necessary for his character. So that's what makes him the Joker. Yeah. It's, there's really no reason why he's doing other, uh, this other than the fact that he wants to do it. Pretty much. Yeah. So who knows what will happen with that. But you are hearing Tim and I both say a hard pass. The hardest oh, of hard, passes. It's a hard, hard pass. Yeah. Uh, in other Marvel uh, switching brands... Marvel News, so the team behind Super Troopers and Beer Fest, like Slammin' Salmon, uh, the Broken Lizard comedy troupe, mm-hmm. apparently right. they have been, or one of the main guy, the director of Super Troopers, Jay, has been approached by Marvel to kind of see if he wanted a shot to do a Marvel Studios movie. And he said this in uh, an interview and he said, they sent me the Marvel Encyclopedia, and they said, what do you guys want to do? So it's upstairs. My kid's going through it, and he's going to make a list of what he thinks we should do, and I'll go through it. I'm curious to see what a 13-year-old mind comes up with. So what I like about that is Marvel is willing to take risks like this because they have earned it. You know, they, they can do some off-the-wall projects. I think this would be kind of cool if here to do a Doom Patrol style movie. I've been a big proponent of Doom Patrol for a long time. We kind of got a TV show for like a half second and then it was gone. But I think giving 
the Broken Lizard guys, you know, or at least Jay, one of the fun Marvel properties that they can just kind of do something different with, kind of a la Deadpool, even though Deadpool is still technically Fox. But yeah, what do you think about something like that? Having more of just like a almost standalone fun Marvel movie. It depends on the medium for the film, right? Is it going to be something that's going to be on Netflix? Is it going to be something for the streaming service? Is it going to be whatever? Who knows? Uh, so I think that really depends on what you're giving them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it could work depending on the character. And I, mean, I trust Marvel as a property to make sure it's, it's handled well. So that doesn't bother me at all. Um, and again, much like the, the Joker news, these are early talks. Yes, definitely. So, who knows? I like the idea if they can find a character that they feel like they can develop well and they can put some humor into it and kind of add that broken lizard theme to it, then that works. Yeah. So he's also was- been a guy, a guy who's been directing his buddies for a while, so I don't know what that looks like if he's directing other people. Very true. That definitely is true. And, and like, we, like we talked about before, when you work with the same guys multiple right. times over multiple years and decades like you learn you learn a lot about each other but with something like this yeah it would be interesting to see what he does differently uh with something else so i at least like that is the type of news that when i read it i do not immediately cringe because i'm like okay like this could be interesting they could go some interesting ways with it uh something that definitely is right up your alley uh they were just sort of dropping today the first preview images of the new Halloween reboot slash sequel. Yeah. Did you check reboot those out? Sequel, of course, obviously. It's one of my, my Halloween is one of my favorite movies, so of course I saw it. I mean, so far, like, I mean, yes, they only released like three or four pictures, but like, Jamie Lee Curtis looks good. I still okay. Now, correct me if I am wrong. I know Jason has died like fifty times. I thought yeah. she died also. Yeah, but th- uh, they're discounting <laughs> all the sequels and saying oh, this, okay. is, this is an actual sequel to the first film. Just just the first film. Yeah, I don't think the second film because the first the in the second film they made it out that Michael Myers was her sister and he came to the hospital to kill her and all this other stuff. So I think they're discounting all of that and this is going to be a sequel to the first film. And it's years later and she's living on her own and she's or with her daughter or whatever and she's you know. I was afraid he's going to come back, and of course he does. Of course, yeah. Of course. Yes. Interesting, yeah, because yeah, I knew that this was going to be kind of a reboot sequel, but I was not sure what that jumping-off yeah. point was going to be. So you were saying it is right after the first movie. Or not that's right after, but... what I'm movie. hearing. Yeah, okay. it's a sequel to the first film. So that's what, that's what I've been hearing. So it sounds like a good idea. I like Halloween, and I like that John Carpenter is involved, and I like you know Blumhouse and what they're mm-hmm. doing. So it, it's, a, it's a nice marriage of the two. You know, some new a new horror production sort of studio and a very classic horror film and a classic horror director all coming together to make this product. And yep. Dan McBride's involved for on some reason, like writing or directing. I it or st- that is the one thing about this whole the talks about it that I'm like, okay, I get everybody else. What is Danny McBride doing with this? People said the same thing about Jordan Peele when he did Get Out. What is he doing making this movie? True. And wow. Right? Yeah. We knew Jordan Peele for comedy. We didn't know him to do these, this crazy psychological thriller about 
race in America. <laughs> right. It takes place in this crazy home where they're, you know, so who knows? You know, he seems passionate about it. Again, I trust the production company. They seem, they, they put mm-hmm. out very real horror. And, it, and to be honest, that was the thing about Get Out that, that really sort of calmed my anxiety was, oh, they do real deal horror and yes. they seem excited about it. So this is probably something that's going to go over well. Yeah. And they also announced that the trailer will be dropping on Friday. Oh, this so, Friday? Yeah, this Friday. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm all in on that. This Friday, I didn't know that. Yep, they just they, they put that made on my a, day. a series of, of uh, tweets. Made my day. I'm, I'm, yeah, I know what I'm doing Friday morning. So there you go, buddy. There, there's some good news for your Friday. Yeah, some great news for my Friday. Uh, the last bit of geek news. This one is one that is another reboot that I never really wanted, but it actually sounds pretty interesting. They just announced that uh, they're redoing an animated Adams Family movie. Yeah, I saw that. And the cast so far is one of the reasons that I'm on board. So Oscar Isaac is going to be Gomez, which is perfect. But when, which you, works. when you look at him, you're like, why did they not do a live action version? Because he would nail it. Uh, I mean, the animated one's easier to get around. You can do much more with. I get, I get why the cost production is down for like, sure. It's just like he, it's, I mean, low, he, it's low cost. He looks I, I, like Gomez, and so, but yeah. So I'm on board right. for that. Uh, Charlize Theron is going to be Morticia. Chloe right. Grace Moretz is going to be Wednesday. Finn Wolfhard is Pugsley. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Kroll is Adam Fester, and Bette Midler right. as Grandmama. Yeah. So and then Allison Janney is the villain. Apparently, uh, Margot Needler. That um, sounds like something I'd watch. I am a hundred percent on board with that. They just dropped like the first image and announced the the cast. So because it is animation and voiceover, we're probably not going to see that for another like year. Yeah, if that. But I, yeah, I'm excited for that. Again, it was something that I did not know I wanted that, but now looking at that, I was like, I guess I do. Yeah, it look, that sounds fun. Yeah, so that should be pretty cool. Uh, all right, so that, that wraps it up for the geek news. We will keep it uh, nice and short for certain people who like to listen to this who then listen, send me a tweet I, saying I it under- was too long. <laughs> I, I understand Damien wanting a short episode. Well, and Jess, shout out to Jess and Damien, of course, with The Curly Nerd, which uh, you can listen to Tim and I on their episode of The Curly Nerd this week where we talked about yeah. uh, our favorite comic book storylines. Uh, Jess was in town. So we got together in the About to Review studio, FaceTimed Damien, and did an episode of The Curly Nerd. So definitely check that out. But yeah, Jess was like, okay, 24 minutes of geek news. Come on, John. I was like, all right, fine. So I, I Hey, <laughs> you know, she's, she's a woman who understands what she wants. So I appreciate that. That is very true. So we kept it tight just for you, Jess. Uh, moving right along into the reviews for this episode. So okay. the first movie Tim is going to introduce that... This is one that I was upset that we did not screen for the critics. Yeah, and I was as am I. Yeah, because I was like, as soon as we saw the trailers for this months ago, I was like, I am on board, excited, and then it just kind of rolled past. Not even a mention of like, hey, like nothing. So, but uh, Tim, take away the description of upgrade. Uh, Upgrade is about a guy. What was his name? My uh, phone's updating, so I can't look it up. Oh, his name is Gray Trace. Gray, Gray uh, <laughs> Trace, and his wife 
are shot in what looks to be uh, some sort of hit. Mm-hmm. And Gray is then paralyzed and he's a quadriplegic. And then he gets uh, a gift from a young uh, sort of Elon Musk type of character. Definitely. Who, yep. <laughs> who offers him this chip called STEM that can help him walk and, and, and connect the synapse with his brain and, and sort of be this sort of uh, connector between his, his brain and his limbs, help him walk again. And then when he gets STEM, he realizes that STEM talks to him. Like, mm-hmm. like an AI that's like, hey, this has full on, not like Siri, like a full no. on conversation. <laughs> like like uh, and, uh, Friday, if you were to think like about Fr- it, like Tony, yeah, Tony Stark. Like Tony Stark, yeah, mm-hmm. like Friday or Jarvis or something like right. that, right? And so he, he uses his new abilities uh, to find the, the people who murdered his wife. Um, so he goes on sort of this revenge pre, and then he realizes that you know Stim kind of has its its own plans for what it wants to do. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's about all I can say. Pretty much. Oh man! And what I was oh, what I was impressed with this. So it is directed by Lee Wanol or Wainol. Uh This is only his second movie, and his first one that he directed. He has been involved in a ton, but. His first movie that he directed was Insidious Chapter 3. This guy has been involved with all of like the Saw movies, uh, all of the Insidious, the Bye Bye not Man. Not surprised. Bye Bye Man was trash. But not surprised because this movie gets very Saw-like in its violence. Oh, yeah. When I first saw the trailer for this, I was like, all right, cool. Action. Uh, kind of futuristic movie. Cool. Then I saw the Red Band trailer and I saw a couple of these yeah. deaths in this. Uh, yeah. yeah, it got intense real quick. Yeah, that death scene on the rooftop was probably my favorite. Oof. It was brutal. That was brutal. Uh, but no, it's it's weird because it, it, it takes place in this kind of like futuristic city. Well, are they in L.A.? Where are they? Uh, I'm trying to think they, if they mentioned... On the coast somewhere. It looks like West Coast, LA, right. California. Um, it's a super futuristic city, and everyone has these devices and stuff and really cool technology, but he's sort of like a guy who's kind of off the grid as much as he possibly can be. He works on, like, old-school muscle cars, mm-hmm. um, so he's sort of anti-technology, and he, he needs this piece of technology to help him live again and regain his life. Um, but then you, you, you put in the twist of, of how much access we give, you know, Alexa and Siri yep. and these and what that means for us and are we really free doing it and what's you know what are we leaving our lives in the hands of when we do this kind of stuff it's to the extreme obviously right uh but that's in it uh a lot and so i I appreciated that it it felt and a friend of the show chris lamberth had said on twitter that it was like a black mirror episode and he's right it felt very much like a really intense 90 minute black mirror episode um Black Mirror has a way of, of stomach punching you that's much more brutal than this, but it does have a stomach punch at the end. Oh, definitely. Black, I mean, the Black Mirror Black has Mirror more of like that, that psychological. Yeah. yeah. Like, I got to think about this all day now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is much more lighter and, and heavier on like the action and the, the brutality and the fights. Uh, so it, it doesn't have that sort of punch that Black Mirror has, but it definitely I could see it being someone started writing this as a Black Mirror episode and expanded it out to like a 90 minute sort of like revenge action film. Yeah. And it stars Logan Marshall Green. Kudos who, to him. Yeah. Kudos to him. Like he was uh, kind of shocker number one in Spider-Man oh, Homecoming. Right. Well, shocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
he was also in Devil and Pr- Prometheus. Yeah, I remember he got that thing in his eyeball in Prometheus. Yep, I'm not- of the show. Kendon called him uh, like a knockoff Tom Hardy. Like when you can't get Tom Hardy, like that's the guy you get. Hundred percent. Like uh, that being said, like Logan, like he impressed me in this, like because the the martial arts in this, the choreography, which I'm always a big stickler for. This was fast and frenetic, but tight. Like it was really tight, close quarters combat, and they did some really interesting lighting choices. A lot of blues and reds. Right. But a lot of this, you could tell that like he was in there doing, you know, maybe not a lot of it, but enough of it to make it look realistic. Like there were not oh, some, yeah. like huge sure. jump cuts, you know, ten feet away where you can tell it as a stunt man. The cuts, right. the cuts that they did make were clever and smart. Oh. But no, like Logan, he was legit. Like I was really impressed with him. Yeah, uh, as was I, and all the physical stuff. So when. You know, you see this in the trailer, this isn't a spoiler, but when he asked them to take over his body, right. those movements, mm-hmm. where he looks very robotic, was like dope. So I was like, oh, that's he's really moving um, as if something else is kind of controlling him, you know, but not in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, he did a lot of real physical acting outside of the fighting that I thought was very, very impressive. So kudos to that dude, man. Yeah, and I think you guys talked about it on the Made in the 80s podcast when you guys were talking about RoboCop. Yeah. They're like, Peter Weller, like, he studied mime. Like, he did not just want to, you know, walk all stilted. Like, he wanted to make it look as realistic as possible. Later, he would shift his hips, his shoulders, yeah. and his neck. Like, so right. Logan, in this movie... He's got he some made, of that going on. Absolutely. And, he, and it is such a subtle... But dramatic switch in, yeah. in just a physical acting ability that that is that is tough to pull off. Yeah, a lot of physical acting, and then the, I like the bad guy. Oh uh, yeah, uh, uh, the knockoff James Earl Haley guy. What's his name? <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember. What Cole, he, I don't want to call him that because that's rude. But he reminded me so much of him. The, the stature and the face and the way he acted, he was good. Uh, his name is Benedict Hardy. Yeah, man, he he was solid, and like the the that weird technology they had with their weapons mm-hmm. implanted in them was really crazy. Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah, it looked like a it really creepy us, It gave us those little bits of like this crazy technology and weaponry implanted in the body without giving us a labored backstory of like, nope. oh, this came from this technology, and he got who cares? He like, has, this is the thing that people have in the future. He has a yeah. gun built into his arm. Roll with it. Yeah. So I like when audiences or when filmmakers trust the audience, just be like, listen, man, this movie is 90 minutes of action. Just go with it. Yeah. And I don't even know if that's necessary for the story. No, it is not. Like this is a, they, they do a good job of building the world around them. This very much a, techno, a technological advanced cities we're living in. Mm-hmm. So something like weapons embedded into your body seem to be plausible in this world. Yeah. With, 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 you know, self-driving cars and all that cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what took me a second. So the the kind of other lead in this, uh, the, the female lead in this is Betty Gabriel. Mm-hmm. But the whole time I was looking at her and I was like, why does this woman look so familiar? And I could not figure it out until I looked it up. So she was Georgina in Get Out. She was the. Oh, other- you, you didn't realize that was her? No, because I was looking at her, but she looks way uh, younger in this. Yeah, I know. I knew that was her immediately because she she was also in another uh, Blue Mouse movie. Oh, okay. 
Oh, the purge. She was in the purge. Yeah, she was in that. So, and she's in another one they're doing. She's in that. Do you see the trailer for the other one they're doing? Uh, uh, what was that stupid one where they make phone calls? Oh gosh, um, uh, that dumb horror movie. Uh, she's I, in that one too as another Blue Mouse movie. Um, I can't remember, but yeah, I, I know yeah, what you're talking. But about. it's called like whatever, whatever. Oh, like un- dark, unfriended, unfriended dark web. Dark web. Yeah, looks <laughs> terrible. Oh man, we were laughing out loud at that trailer. It looks so bad. Yeah. But yeah, so she she seems to be in a lot of their films. So yeah, I recognize her immediately. She was good at the officer. Yeah, I mean, so it was one of the good. things where like I recognized her, but in Get Out, she is obviously made to look much older, and in this one, she looks just younger. So I was like, I could place it, but just could not wrap it around. But yeah, she was solid uh, yes. as well. Yeah. And yeah, this movie, I mean, just like a lot of Blumhouse movies, there are not really any big names attached to it, either from the directing, the writing side, and the acting, because they're like, listen, we're just, we want to make interesting, creative films and get different voices. So here are a bunch of random actors who you may or may not have seen before doing a film. I mean, I don't know if it's that necessarily. I think it's 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 easy for them to keep the cost down and then make a bunch of money on the back end, right? So if I can keep the cost down, and we're not we're not looking to get Tom Hardy, we're not looking to get you know Margot Robbie or Denzel or whoever Will Smith. We want to get some actors who we know can act, and we can pay them accordingly. Or even like I remember when they did the purge, the first purge, like they all took like scale and took money on the back end. Oh wow! Like, so, we, so we can we can work with these younger with these other actors who you don't have to like woo in for talent, and they're talented because people are all talented in the movie. And you can pay them whatever. And then you make a profit. Yeah. And that's how you keep making movies. That's how you're able to then, you know, fund other projects you want to do, another Purge movie or whatever. Yeah, for sure. So, so it's, it's a great business model if, oh, if, you know, you can keep pulling it off. It works. Yeah, the music was solid in this. I really liked the, the color play and dynamics. Uh, yeah. So the official rating system for this podcast, there are only three choices, no letter grades, no stars. The three choices are good, bad, or ugly. A good film was something that you would recommend to a friend. A bad film was something that you did not really hate, but it was not something that you just were super pumped about, not something you would recommend right away. And ugly is avoid at all costs. So Tim Hall, the People's Critic, what do you give Upgrade? It is a good, man. It is a lot of fun. Like it's it's definitely worth seeing. It's short. If you're mm-hmm. okay with violence and uh, yeah. <laughs> you like a, you like a cool sci-fi story, um, and if you love Black Mirror, I think it's something you would I would definitely want to watch. Yeah, uh, I agree. I also give it a a good. Uh, it definitely is is violent, uh, and in the action moments, it will go from like a regular action scene to then a very <laughs> bloody yeah. intense. Uh, scene and i mean they play around with it really well like there's one point where somebody is getting tortured i will not say who yeah and a voice in his head is like you can look away if you want to and yeah. <laughs> it was like okay and he looks away as just some slice and dice action starts happening yeah. you don't see it either which is even the gross part yeah oh you just hear it the sound yeah. in this movie was yeah pretty intense uh yeah so i give it a good uh, the action was great. So, and this is one like, so I saw three movies in the theater today. This was movie number two after seeing a very kind of emotionally draining drama 
called Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, and I needed a release. This was definitely that release. So, yeah, it gets two goods from us. Moving right along to the next film, which is a horror film that I am kind of surprised that you did not make the time for, but apparently you have stuff to do. I Listen, man, uh, taking care of yourself is, is numero uno, so couldn't make it. Fair enough. So the new film is called Hereditary, uh, directed by Ari Aster. And speaking of, just like with Upgrade, this is his first feature-length movie. He has done quite a few shorts, about six different shorts, uh, and, you know, has some good accolades, but this is his first feature film. And it basically is, without giving too much away, because this is a very multi-layered horror film, a haunted house story, to to put it kind of bluntly. Uh, There is a a secret uh, when... So, well, first, I will say who is in it, because Tony Collette is the star, and she crushes it. Like, Tony Collette is very, very good in a lot of things. And in this one, yeah, no exception. Uh, Gabriel Byrne is also in it. And that is about it, as far as, like, the, the big names attached to this. So, Tony Collette's mother passes away, and this lady was super secretive, had a lot of rituals and weirdness that her daughter did not really know what to make of. As they start to go about their life, uh, Tony Collette and Gabriel's, Gabriel Burns' two kids, played by Alex Wolf and Millie Shapiro, start to each exhibit some different behaviors that they cannot really explain. And this haunted house elements, this, this paranoia, this fear starts creeping into their lives and taking over. Tony Collette's character used to be like used to have a problem with sleepwalking. And so in parts of this, you are not quite sure, and she is not quite sure what is reality, what is actually happening. So the tension is palpable. This is one of those horror movies, and I know you are a bigger horror movie fan than I am. I like them. I know you love horror movies. Love horror movies. Love a good one. This one is low on the jump scares and a very, very slow, methodical horror from the just builds and builds and builds. That is more my type of horror as opposed to the kind of every two seconds, you know, jump scare here, jump scare there. So of those of those styles, I know you love the whole genre, but which do you prefer when you go to watch a movie? It uh, depends on the story. You know, it depends on what story you're telling. I don't necessarily have a preference. I've seen both done very well. Mm-hmm. So it depends. It depends on the story. I don't have like a real preference for it. Okay. I'm honest. Yeah. I mean, what I, what I liked about this one is when it builds that tension, it does one of the things where, just like a good horror movie, you see something in the foreground, something starts happening, and then mm-hmm. your eyes start drifting towards the background and you start to see what is actually there. And the whole time, there are two scenes in particular, and I will, I will of course, not spoil them. Two scenes in particular where as I'm looking behind the character and I'm waiting for that moment where, like, it jumps out or, it's some, you know, something dramatic happens. But instead, the camera does, like, this slow pan around and then that thing kind of 
goes away in a different manner than you would expect and not the jump to the camera. Those types of things are the ones because the whole time you're watching being like, is it going to happen? Like you're waiting for that jump scare. And when it does not happen and it just builds to the next thing, solid. So that was interesting. Uh, And again, from a first time director doing a slow burn horror film is a tough ask. Like th- that is, it can be really tough to do. And again, a some company like Blumhouse really prides themselves on doing that. This one, yeah, it is. And working with people like Tony Collette and Gabriel Byrne, who have been in the game for, for a while, you know, who know the industry, uh, really well done. The music was super creepy. This is one that, even though it definitely scared me because it was uniquely terrifying, I want to watch it again because of those things in the background. There were quite a few like kind of cutscenes that happened really fast where I kind of leaned to the person I was sitting next to and I was like, did you just see something there? And they're like, I don't know. And I was like, okay, that that does not help. Uh, but yeah, so Tony Collette crushes it. The kids are really good. Alex Wolf and Millie Shapiro. Gabriel Byrne is not in this very much. Like he has really not developed at all. You get a lot of Tony Collette's character and her background. You get the kids and their background. Gabriel Byrne is just kind of there. It is it is interesting that they chose not to develop him much at all. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so that one, since you have not seen it yet, I will uh, I will not go too much more into it. Okay. And I, I will just settle on, this gets a good for me. Being a horror fan, but not a horror aficionado like you... Uh, I really dug it. I liked that it kept me guessing and that there were those little things in the background and it was not just jump scare after jump scare. Uh, Kind of, I mean, similar to Upgrade, when this goes bloody, it goes really, really bloody. And there there are definitely some scenes that are very just cringy and hard to watch. Right. But it is a horror movie, so you kind of come to expect that. Uh, but yeah, so it gets a good from for me for Hereditary, which is in theaters, I uh, believe, this Friday. Uh, the last movie for this episode is the one that we just got out of a mere yes, hour it ago. Is. Uh, one another <laughs> one that uh, that I had been looking forward to, and I think you had been also. Yeah, yeah, somewhat. Yeah, yeah. So uh, go into Hotel Artemis. That's Artemis is. Uh... <laughs> It feels like you're watching the uh, Continental from the John Wick series, but yep. it's uh, it's a little different. It's more of a hospital led by a character known, only known as Nurse, uh, played by Jodie Foster, who runs this sort of hotel slash hospital for criminals. Mm-hmm. And on this night, there's this big riot in L.A. over water, and the riot is headed towards the hospital, and they have a bunch of different patients. You have Sterling K. Brown, uh and his brother, played by, um, well, I'm not spacing on his name. He's in the show Atlanta. He plays Paperboy. I'm, I'm mad spacing on his name. Brian oh, Tyree uh, Brian, Henry. Brian Tyree Henry. Mm-hmm. He's, he's great. Uh, so they're brothers. They just robbed a bank. They're there. Um, what's his name from Always Sunny? Philadelphia's there. Charlie Day's there. Sophia Butella, a.k.a. Bloody Legs, is there. Yes. He's like a hit woman. Um, and Shocking. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking, she's a hit woman. And also, Dave Batista plays uh, sort of uh, 
an assistant to the nurse. Who's I mean, there. He, he is the, the orderly, kind of, which he makes a joke orderly. of multiple times. He, he, the orderly slash muscle of the place. Yes. Um, and they have a big client on their way um, who's headed there. And so, yeah, this whole thing unfolds. It's the Artemis is predicated on rules. Mm-hmm. And what you learned about the movies, everyone's breaking these rules. And it sort of pretty much says things. It literally says things ablaze in that place when the rules are just broken. Um, and so you have these people in the Artemis trying to survive this crazy night that's happening in this hotel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's essentially what happens in the film. It, it's yeah. And it gets violent and it gets a lot of fun. And yeah, a couple of cringeworthy deaths in it, mm. a lot of fun action. Uh, and it's a it's a cool story. Like, I want to know more about uh, of that world that they're in. These these cool characters show up and they all clearly have different backstories. And mm-hmm. it's clear that, that Sterling K. Brown's character, because they go by the names of their rooms. So she's. Which was pretty cool. I liked that. And he's Waikiki. Waikiki, his brother's Honolulu. Oh, so, so Waikiki and Nice have this conversation. They clearly have a backstory and some history together, and that's clear from their conversation. Um, but it's great. It, it, it's fun. And I, I walked away from this thinking that I think Sophia Botella needs her own action movie. Okay, I thought where the she, same thing. Because where she's like, the lead, because she was such a badass. She crushes it. And like this is her third movie where she yeah. shows that she can do stunts she can do martial arts she can do this and it was like will somebody just give her a shot uh i hope it's coming i hope it's coming because you know i know she does all this ballerina like stretching ballet stuff Mm -hmm. and so when you put her in a fight in this really tight hallway she can do all of this like stretching and flexing with her legs and and body contorting it looks really cool on screen well one of my favorite Uh, martial artists from like kind of the the golden age of of the Kung Fu films is Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh had never taken a martial arts class. She was a trained ballet dancer. So just like with Sophia Boutella, if you take somebody who knows dance and who knows their body that well, it is choreography at that point. Yeah. Yeah. She's really good at it. And it's good seeing Stoli K. Brown get like a lead in Mm -hmm. something. And he's allowed to not be like this sort of, I, I can see him being cast as a nice guy all the time. He gets to kind of be a villain. Um, uh, with the heart I, of I would gold, say kind obviously. of yeah, anti-hero, it's maybe? An anti-hero. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so it's cool. And Brian, Tyree, Brian Tyree Henry um, on the big screen is cool to see. Um, yeah, it was, it was really fun. You know, we know Charlie Day, and he's kind of goes into his Charlie Dayisms a lot and yelling and screaming and yeah, which making I, crazy I, eye faces. I'm kind of There's getting a lot annoyed of with because this is the second movie in a row that I have seen him in. This and yeah. Pacific Rim 2. Yeah, Pacific Rim Uprising, yeah. Was Same like, thing. You're just playing the sleazy businessman. Yeah. Sleazy businessman who thinks he's tough and yeah, a lot of that. But, you know, and also uh, Dave Bautista surprised me. He was really funny. Mm-hmm. I, was not, I mean, he's clearly funny, in the, but he's not Drax in this movie. But he's no. funny delivery. He clearly, like, gets comedy, like. He needs his own action comedy movie because he really understands comedic timing and how to deliver some of these really funny one-liners. Yes. Well, and, and, and he's very intimidating. I was going to say, and this is a credit to the thing that you and Damien always talk about, similar to Sofia Butella and dance and choreography. When you come from the world of wrestling for yeah. however long you wrestled, like what, five, ten years, whatever? Speak on, speak on the, the, the benefits of being in, in the wrestling world. <laughs> I want to hear it. So the benefit with that is, and this is the huge credit that I have given wrestling for a long time, it is a play. 
you have to perform live in front of 50,000 people in the stands, plus millions watching right on cue. And you have to be able to do anger. You have to be able to do sadness. You have to be able to do intimidation with the drop of a hat. And so he gets that timing yeah. and nails it. And it's just like, that, that scene at the end where he's pacing in front of that, that door. And oh, that was so good. Given that that speech to Zachary Quinto, who's in, it was good to see. I don't mm-hmm. see him enough, man. It's good to see Zachary Quinto on something, not name the Hitman. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. I like, I like Zachary Quinto. So it was good seeing him. So yeah, that speech he's giving Quinto about, I don't want to ruin the jokes, but mm-hmm. it's funny. It and, is funny, and, but it's, it's, it's frightening. You're like, this is funny, but it's just kind of scary. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I mean, I think to that, you know, to that scene in particular, I think certain people are going to go see this movie based on the trailer and might be a little bit disappointed because, you know, similar to how Hereditary was a slow burn horror, if people go into this thinking, oh, man, I cannot wait for wall to wall action. That is not really what you get. There are uh, only like two action it. set pieces. But it's sort of it's all building to these pieces. So right. I think that's the benefit of the story is that the, it, it's all kind of building. The, you know, the opening of the film obviously is is the layout um, of what's happening. What, mm-hmm. They're building this world around what's happening outside the Artemis, why people are in the Artemis, who the different characters are. Then you realize that that what Sterling K. Brown and his brother did accidentally or just and his that, brother sterling k did not do it he, he was like well, he they, realized well, it they weren't they were both <laughs> up the creek as they as yes, someone would say. Yes. so what the, what they're sort of into and what's happening and then it's sort of a ticking clock until uh what was the bit what was the bad guy's name who shows the wolf up? king the wolf king played by none other than um, jeff goldblum who jeff goldblum who's funny i mean he's of, cor- funny. of course he is funny i mean he is really he's good funny I wish they he's gave only, him more he's only in to for do. A second. Yeah, he's not in it that long. But so, and it's like the countdown for the Wolf King, waiting for the Wolf King to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, then once the Wolf King gets there, then it's sort of like the firecrackers lit, and then that's that's the action, that's these fight sequences, that's the long hallway fight scene, um, that's all of that. So it's it's sort of leading into like this: the Wolf King is coming when he gets here. These things need to be in place, and so you, you, that's his arrival is sort of the big domino to drop and then everything else follows. And it sort of sort of ends with a bunch of action, even though, even though it doesn't like start with a bunch of action and it's not action packed all the way through. It still was never boring or not entertaining. True. It's, oh, that, it's that not John Wick. True. Yeah. It's not John Wick where, but even it's funny, even rewatching the first John Wick the other day, like he doesn't murder anyone until like 30 minutes into the movie. <laughs> he doesn't, he, you hear about John Wick, you hear about the, the, the impossible task they gave him. Mm-hmm. You hear all of that. He gets robbed. He doesn't like shoot a gun until about a half hour into the movie. Interesting. You're like, oh, that's that's why they fear John Wick because he murders a bunch of people who come to his house. I guess that so means like the second one is the opposite. The second one, second the one first starts, like five minutes yeah, starts with him chasing somebody in the bike and showing up in that garage and running people over with his car multiple times. Right. Uh, the, but the first one doesn't really open with a, a big bang bang action. Uh, neither does this. Well, this kind of is open with the bank Th- this robbery. This does, but it it kind of is is misleading because all it does is it is setting up the. Yeah, it's all a setup for how yeah. people got to the Artemis, and you know, he's like, oh, I need to make a phone call. Yeah, Jodie Foster in this as the nurse. Yeah, was amazing. She was good. Like she has this kind of you know Bostonian accent uh, that totally fits the character. She is quick 
and just sarcastic. But yeah. everything, I mean, that was the thing with all of these characters, all of them fit each other. The only person right. that kind of, I think, maybe was a little bit weird is Charlie Day, because again, it, yeah. is, it is hard to see him outside of that mold yeah. that he has put himself in in his past couple roles. Yeah, he, he, I feel like he's in a different movie because he's the only one who's a, he's a little too cartoonish. Yeah. Um, so he kind of sticks out a bit in, in his scenes, but that sort of like a whole behavior is necessary for like them. I mean, he becomes a conduit to remind people that there are rules in Artemis. Right. So he's misbehaving. It's like, hey, man, we got rules here. You can't do A, B, C, and D. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the other thing that I liked is the soundtrack. The soundtrack, yeah. I mean, it was a lot of just old school, just mamas and the papas. Uh, she has this weird iPad type thing that she carries with yeah. her. But it, it has like, like a cas- yeah, I was like, but it has like cassette player buttons yeah. on it. It's really cool. But yeah. I mean, yeah, I liked all of the tech. This takes place in. I think it said like 2028 or something like that. And those cool, those cool little eggs people were talking on was really cool. Yeah, that was neat. Now here is my thing. So like we mentioned, John wick for obvious reasons, the hotel continental. Right. Why? I mean, it kind of seems like hotel Artemis beat them to the punch because hotel continental had a bunch of rules. It housed a bunch of assassins and it had hospital staff and everything. So I'm wondering I mean, yeah, just that. It feels, well, it feels a little bit the, weird. The difference is out of the out of the continental people could work out of there, right? So you could be doing a hit in another city, and you're working out of the continental. Right. Artemis is essentially a hospital, a safe house, a safe house for you to be. You stay put. Here's the rules: you can't do these things in here. No, no one from outside of it gets in. Um, you're gonna come here and get healed with these cool like 3D printing organs for people. Um, so it's all that kind of stuff. And people pay for membership, mm-hmm. what you learn, for just for that access. So uh, there's a difference, but I, th- there's a lot of similarities that would make it really difficult for them to ever do like a Hotel Continental Exactly. Movie. I, th- I think the thing that John Wick and the Hotel Continental have going for it, and we mm-hmm. might see more of it in the third John Wick, which I am super excited for coming out uh, this year. Oh, no. Maybe this yeah, year. later later this year. Yeah, or next year. No, next they, year. They wrapped. They wrapped filming pretty soon. So, the the thing that they have going forward is kind of that intrigue with the coins and how you know there is this whole not just secret society but secret currency, you know, within this underground. Yeah, so I mean, they, none they, of that. They is. still have some interesting ways to go with it, but it did. Hotel Arms no. did kind of stop that possibility from ever happening. Yeah, they they kind of stepped on it, so can't do it. Yeah. Um, I did, I mean, and it was kind of weird at the end of this, we get a weird little maybe teaser for a, a sequel. And it was like, no, not everything needs they, to be a sequel. Not everything needs might, to be a franchise. You know, it makes enough money. You might, you know, you know, go to another hotel and see what's happening there. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess, I mean, what I liked about a movie like Upgrade, we, we're always begging for these original ideas, these original concepts. We get something like Upgrade, which borrows a lot of concepts from movies and tropes that we know, but it gives us a solid self-contained story, and it does not really, we don't really need a sequel. It can just be its own thing. A lot of these movies just are starting to like shoehorn in basically little outs, where if they decide, all right, you know, next year, a couple years down the road, how about we do something else with it? I just sometimes just want those nice, just beginning, middle, end. 
I mean, it's part of the genre, you know. Yeah. It's part of the genre. It's, you know, the equalizer ended just fine, but then now we're getting the equalizer too, right? Uh, so it, for some reason. How, how a movie ends, because I mean, it made, a, it made a lot of money for them. Yeah. You know, how, how a movie ends and, and what they're doing is is definitely very contained, and it doesn't mean that there, there aren't plans from the studio at some point to make another film, especially if they see it as being something uber profitable for them. So if, if, if Hotel Artemis goes out and makes a bunch of money, uh, I can see them trying to green light a sequel because why wouldn't you? You're in it to make money. There's that weird crossroads between like commerce and artistry where you're gonna get these things where people are like, I want to make money. I don't care if you want to. Like we're getting we're getting an Incredibles too. Yeah, um, true. And, but that one know, again, like that ended but, with but, a perfect lead into a sequel. But still, they it it took them a long time to do it. Yeah. Um, well, so yeah. it wasn't like an immediate like we're getting you a sequel four years later. It took them a minute to come up with the story and figure out if it's something they want to do. So you know, it depends. You know, it, it, maybe they ended here, maybe they don't. You know, I'm okay watching watching you know this crew do go at it again. Yeah, as long as it is solid, like I'm okay with it. I just I just find it interesting that it seems like that is the new thing. It's just always leave yourself an avenue. But oh, that, oh, that's not new, by the way. Well, yes, of course not. But it seems like it, you have to admit, though, that's... our generation is sequel crazy, is franchise crazy. That was like an early two thousands thing. Uh, I I feel like it is more so now. Nah, that's early two thousand. Early two thousand people started building franchises. They started realizing that you could you could sort of make this thing once and spin it a couple more times and remix it and make more money doing it. Where you're splitting up movies at their last part or you're you know you're, you're trying to make it a sequel and and hopefully that goes into like a trilogy that was like mm-hmm. early 2000s when we started that matrix was the last big movie to come out that didn't need a sequel but then got two unnecessary sequels afterwards very true and the animatrix which i still maintain is better than both of the sequels yeah no one cares about that i care about that the animatrix was great Nobody cares about that, right? <laughs> oh, but, but again, but look at the Matrix, right? It comes out ninety nine. It's it's a banger of a movie, mm-hmm. and you can end it with Neo flying up into the sky. But they realize we can cake off this, so let's make two more movies that aren't as good. Nope. And it just it started a trend of you can do these really interesting movies that exist in a capsule. But if there's enough money to be made, we're going to try to make more money, even if we have to switch directors, even if. The actors aren't around, different actors, we can recast it because they're not necessarily thinking about the art of it. They're just thinking about how can we, because that's a job for them, right? Because right. if the movie bombs, then that's their job. But if it makes money, then, hey, how do we make more money? It's it's the it's the nature of the beast. It's unfortunate as someone who loves film and much like yourself, I love original storytelling mm-hmm. and I love original ideas. There's gonna be someone always looking at an original idea and saying this this original idea made us a bunch of money. How can we then take this one idea? It's like it's like when people complain about remakes and reboots. Mm-hmm. We have them because they're properties that people already know exist. So I don't have to build a new audience. There's an audience for it, right? For sure. So I know I know my audience. I know how to market it. I know who my audience. I can target this audience, and it's the same concept, right? Here's something that already existed. How do I then take the thing that already existed and then build off of that, which is, you know, low, lower, a lower risk and a higher reward for you. And that's, you know, that's always a good business model if you're, you know, trying to make some money. Yeah. 
no, it definitely makes sense. Uh, so yeah, and then the last thing with Hotel Artemis that I forgot to mention because I like to mention these people, uh, directed by Drew Pierce. And again, this is his first thing. Like he did a TV short, did some video shorts, but this was his first feature length film. I think this might be the first time on the episode that we have done three movies with like kind of first time ish directors. That's a good call. So yeah, but yeah, three very different movies from three very different first time ish directors. But uh, yeah, so your official rating for Hotel Artemis, what is it? It's good. It's it's fun. It's it's ninety minutes. You're in and out. You kind of go from robbery to Artemis, and you're there. Um, uh, like you said, it, it may not be what people think it is. Mm-hmm. It's not super action packed, but it's entertaining enough. And then the the build up until the big action showdown at the end is it's worth it. Some great performances. Uh, Sofia Botella is, is amazing and needs more roles. Needs her own film, being sort of a, a kick ass superstar. So I think I think we're looking at a young star in the making. Yep. I, I I agree as well. So I give it a good. Uh, like I said, the performances were great. I loved the action. Uh, again, most everybody fit this world except for Charlie Day. He was kind of the glaring yeah. one that did just yeah. You, like you said, it felt like he was in a different movie. But yeah, overall, give it a good. So cool. So the three movies that that we had: Upgrade, Hereditary, and Hotel Artemis, all got goods, batting a thousand for this episode so congratulations to all of those films for such an esteemed honor to be named good from the about to review podcast there you go give out some awards later at the end of the year that would be great i would love to um so yeah what uh what do you got coming up with your schedule oh you know some reviews this week uh some interviews a bunch of stuff you can find it on the people's blog.com you can find me on Twitter, People's Critic, Instagram, Snapchat. So, yeah, you can find me there. And on the main Made in the 80s podcast, I have no idea what we're doing next week, what we're recording about. Uh, this week we talked about Infinity War a little bit. I, at some point I want to do Roadhouse. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about hopefully doing Roadhouse soon. So it's, it's a lot of 80 properties, 80s properties we have not delved into that I'm really looking forward to. Nice. Cool. Yeah, all of those links will be in the show notes below uh for next week's episode so oceans eight uh we see tomorrow which or today as this episode drops uh (laughs) you can hear my enthusiasm yet again i'm I'm excited for it i i i'm excited for it we will see uh but then also which i legitimately am excited for uh the other movie that i saw yeah don't worry he won't get are you supposed to be talking about that movie that you just mentioned am i not i don't think so sir Hmm. All right. I'm going to redact that. <laughs> you should. You should read your emails. Fair enough. Uh. So another movie that uh that, <laughs> that I cannot talk about. Uh. And then I I I'm going to be interviewing Gus Van Sant, the director from Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. Uh. Uh-huh. Interviewing him next week. I'm not sure when I will be able to release that interview because it has to coincide with the release of the movie. But definitely look forward to that. Uh. Ace Comic Con. Is coming up June 22nd through 24th. Uh, I officially heard back from them, and I was invited to be part of their their media and press for that, so I will be checking that out. Uh, and then uh, there is a diversity in filmmaking panel in Vancouver, Canada, on June 16th that I will also be attending. 
So those are just some of the things coming up. Make sure to follow the podcast on all forms of social media at about to review Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and also about to review.com for full links to the show notes and guests. So thank you for joining me on the Skype machine, Tim. Oh, you're welcome. And congrats, Damien, under an hour for an episode. You're welcome. <laughs> I told you I'd get you under an hour. We, we got it in. We did. We did. So, got it in. Uh, thank you, everybody, for, for listening. Uh, go on Facebook and review the podcast. Give it five stars. That is a huge help. Uh, yeah. So make sure to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice as well. So for this episode of the About to Review podcast, episode 111, make a wish. Uh, I have been joined by... Tim, the People's Critic. And I have been your host, that guy named John. Make sure to check out the Curly Nerd podcast this week for Tim and I on there as well. And we will see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.